by Marion Zimmer Bradley. This episode of People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos is brought to you by Copper Cow Coffee. Pour over Vietnamese coffee. Hey, whenever you get to go back to the break room, be the coolest person in the break room with some pour over coffee. Or impress your children like I do. Dusseldorf and Barbacoa love watching me pour coffee into a thing and then dump that into a pint glass of ice. Uh, yeah, they do. They, they find it fascinating as, as, as much as like when I like make creme brulee with a blowtorch. Uh, Color of Space, Marion Zimmer Bradley. Uh, there's going to be quite a few of them. Should be about seven or eight episodes. And that'll bring us into the first week of January. Hope you're having a good 2022. Wow, it's such a future date. I didn't, I didn't, anyway. Uh, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. I am your host, D.B. Spitzer. Check out the show notes. Find out how to help support the show. Go to pgttcm.com. Check out everything we have to offer. We're on Apple uh, Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on YouTube. Check us out. The Colors of Space. Chapter 5. For a moment... The words swirled before Bart's still-watering eyes. He wiped them, trying to steady himself. Had he so soon reached the end of his dangerous quest? Somehow, he had expected it to lie in deep, dark concealment. Raynor 1. The existence of Raynor 1 presupposed a Raynor 2, and probably a Raynor 3. For all he knew, Raynor's 4, 5, 6, and 66. The building looked solid and real. It had evidently been there a long time. With his hand on the door, he hesitated. Was it, after all, the right eight colors? But it was a family saying, hardly the sort of thing he'd be apt to hear outside. He pushed the door and went in. The room was filled with brighter light than the procyon sun outdoors, the edges of the furniture rimmed with neon in the Mentorian fashion. A prim-looking girl sat behind a desk, or what should have been a desk, except that it looked more like a mirror, with little sparkles of lights, different colors, in regular rows along one edge. The mirror top itself was blue-violet and gave her skin and her violet eyes a bluish tinge. She was smooth and lacquered and glittering and she raised her eyebrows at Bart as if he were some strange form of life she hadn't seen very often. I'd, um, like to see Raynor One, he said. Her dainty pointed fingernail, varnished blue, stabbed at points of light. On what business? 
she asked, not caring. It's a personal matter. Then I suggest you see him at his home. It can't wait that long. The girl studied the glassy surface and punched at some more of the little lights. Name, please? David Briscoe. He had thought her perfect painted face could not show any emotion except disdain, but it did. She looked at him in open, blank consternation. She said into the vision screen, He calls himself David Briscoe. Yes, I know. Yes, sir, yes. She raised her face, and it was controlled again, but not bored. Raynor One will see you, through that door and down to the end of the hall. At the end of the hallway was another door. He stepped through into a small cubicle, and the door slid shut like a closing trap. He whirled in panic, then subsided in foolish relief as the cubicle began to rise. It was just an automatic elevator. It rose higher and higher, stopping with an abrupt jerk, and slid open into a lighted room and office. A man sat behind a desk, watching Bart step from the elevator. The man was very tall and very thin, and the gray eyes and the intensity of the lights told Bart that he was a mentorian. Raynor One? Under the steady, stern gray stare, Bart felt the slow, clutching suck of fear again. Was this man a slave of the Lari, who would turn him over to them, or someone he could trust? His own mother had been a mentorian. Who are you? Raynor One's voice was harsh, and gave the impression of being loud, though it was not. David Briscoe. It was the wrong thing. The mentorian's mouth was taut forbidding. Try again. I happen to know that David Briscoe is dead. I have a message for Raynor Three. The cold gray stare never altered. On what business? On a sudden inspiration, Bart said, I'll tell you that if you can tell me what the eighth color is. There was a glint in the grim eyes now, though the even stern voice did not soften. I never knew myself. I didn't name it eight colors. Maybe it's the original owner you want. On a sudden hope, Bard asked, Was he, by any chance, named Rupert Steele? Raynor One made a suspicious movement. I can't imagine why you think so, he said guardedly. Especially if you've just come in from Earth. It was never very widely known. He only changed the name to eight colors a few weeks ago, and it's for sure that your ship didn't get any messages while the lorry were in warp drive. You mention entirely too many names, but I notice you aren't giving out any further information. I'm looking for a man called Rupert Steele. I thought you were looking for Raynor Three, said Raynor One, staring at the Mentorian cloak. I can think of a lot of people who might want to know how I react to certain names and find out if I know the wrong people, if they are the wrong people. What makes you think I'd admit it if I did? Now, Bart thought, they had reached a deadlock. Somebody had to trust somebody. 
this could go on all night. Parry and repost, question and evasive answer, each of them throwing back the other's questions in a verbal fencing match. Raynor One wasn't giving away any information, and considering what was probably at stake, Bard didn't blame him much. He flung the Mentorian cloak down on the table. This got me out of trouble the hard way, he said. I never wore one before, and I never intend to again. I want to find Rupert Steele because he's my father. Your father? And just how are you going to prove that exceptionally interesting statement? Without warning, Bart lost his temper. I don't care whether I can prove it or not. You try proving something for a change, why don't you? If you know Rupert Steele, I don't have to prove who I am. Just take a good look at me. Or so Briscoe told me. A man who called himself Briscoe anyway. He gave me papers to travel under that name. I didn't ask for them. He shoved them into my hand. That Briscoe is dead. Bart struck his fist hard on the desk, bending over Raynor One angrily. He sent me to find a man named Raynor Three, but the only one I really care about finding is my father. Now you know as much as I do. How about giving me some information for a change? He ran out of breath and stood glaring down at Raynor One, fists clenched. Raynor One got up and said, quick, savage, and quiet, Did anyone see you come here? Only the girl downstairs. How did you get through the lorry? In that, he moved his head at the Mentorian cloak. Bart explained briefly, and Raynor One shook his head. You were lucky, he said. You could have been blinded. You must have inherited flash accommodation from the Mentorian side. Rupert Steele didn't have it. I'll tell you this much, he added, sitting down again. In a manner of speaking, you're my boss. Eight colors. It used to be Alpha Transshipping. Is what they call a middleman outfit. The interplanet cargo lines transport from planet to planet within a system. That's free competition. And the lorry ships transport from star to star. That's a monopoly all over the galaxy. The middleman outfits arrange for orderly and business-like liaison between the two. Rupert Steele bought into this company a long time ago, but he left it for me to manage until recently. Raynor punched a button, said to the image of the glossy girl at the desk, Violet, get three for me. You may have to send a message to the multiphase. He swung round to Bart again. You want a lot of explanations? Well, you'll have to get them from somebody else. I don't know what this is all about. I don't want to know. I have to do business with the lorry. The less I know, the less I'm apt to say to the wrong people. But I promised three that if you turned up, or if anyone came and asked for the eighth color, I'd send you to him. That's all. He motioned Bart ungraciously to his seat and shut his mouth firmly, as if he had already said too much. Bart sat. After a while, he heard the elevator again. The panel slid open, and Raynor Three came into the room. It had to be Raynor Three. There was no one else he could have been. 
He was as like Raynor One as Tweedledum to Tweedledee. Tall, stern, ascetic, and grim. He wore the full uniform of a Mentorian on lhari ships, the white smock of a medic, the metallic blue cloak, the low, silvery sandals. He said, What's doing, one? Violet. And then he caught sight of Bart. His eyes narrowed, and he drew a quick breath, his face twisting up into apprehension and shock. It must be Steele's boy, he said, and immediately Bart saw the difference between the... Were they brothers? For Raynor's one's face, controlled and stern, had not altered all during their interview. But Raynor III's smile was wry and kindly at once, and his voice was low and gentle. He's the image of Rupert. Did he come in on his own name? How'd he manage it? No, he had David Briscoe's papers. So, the old man got through, said Raynor Three with a low whistle. But that's not safe. Quick, give them to me, Bart. The lorry have them. Raynor One walked to the window and said in his deadpan voice, It's useless, but get the kid out of here before they come looking for me. Look. He pointed. Below them, the streets were alive with uniformed lhari and mentorians. Bart felt sick. If they had the same efficiency with red tape that we humans have, he'd never have made it this far. Raynor Three actually smiled. But you can count on them for that much inefficiency, he said, and his eyes twinkled for a moment at Bart. That's how it was so easy to work the old double-shuffle trick on them. They had Steele's description, but not his name. So Briscoe took Steele's papers and managed to slip through. Once they landed on Earth, they had the Steele names, but by the time that cleared, you were outbound with another set of papers. It may have confused them, because they knew David Briscoe was dead, and there was just a chance you were an innocent bystander who could raise a real row if they pulled you in. Did old Briscoe get away? No, Bart said harshly. He's dead. Raynor Three's mobile face held shocked sadness. Two brave men, he said softly. Edmund Briscoe, the father. David Briscoe, the son. Remember the name, Bart, because I won't remember it. Why not? Raynor Three gave him a gold-glinting, enigmatic glance. I'm a Mentorian, remember? I'm good at not remembering things. Just be glad I remember Rupert Steele. If you'd been a few days later, I wouldn't have remembered him, though I promised to wait for you. Raynor One demanded, Get him out of here, Three! Raynor Three swung to Bart. Put that on again, he indicated the Mentorian cloak. Pull the hood right up over your head. Now, if we need anyone, say a polite good afternoon in Lari. You can speak Lari. And leave the rest of the talking to me. Bart felt like cringing as they came out into the street full of Lari. But Raynor Three whispered, Attack is the best defense. And went up to one of the Lari. 
What's going on, Reiko Mori? A passenger on the ship got away without going through decontam. He may spread disease, so, of course, we have alerted all authorities, the lorry said. As the lorry strode past, Renor Three grimaced. Clever that. Now the whole planet will be hunting for any stranger, worrying themselves into fits about some unauthorized germ. We'd better get you to a safe place. My country house is a good way off, but I have a copter. Bart demanded as they climbed in, Are you taking me to my father? Wait till we get to my place, Raynor Three said, taking the controls and putting the machine in the air. Just lean back and enjoy the trip, huh? Bart relaxed against the cushions, but he still felt apprehensive. Where was his father? If he was a fugitive from the Lari, he might by now be at the other end of the galaxy. But if his father couldn't travel on Lari ships, and if he had been here, the chances were that he was still somewhere in the Procyon system. They flew for a long time, across low hills, patchwork agricultural districts, towns, and then for a long time over water. The copter had automatic controls, but Raynor 3 kept it on manual, and Bart wondered if the Mentorian just didn't want to talk. It began to descend at last, toward a small green hill, bright in the last gold rays on sunset. A small, dome-like pink bubble rose out of the hill. Raynor 3 set the copter neatly down on a platform that slid shut after them, unfastened their seatbelts, and gave Bart a hand to climb out. He ushered him into a living room of glass and chrome, softly lighted, but deserted and faintly dusty. Raynor pushed a switch. Soft music came on, and the carpets caressed his feet. He motioned Bart to a chair. You're safe here for a while, Raynor Three said, though how long, nobody knows. But so far, I've been above suspicion. Bart leaned back. The chair was very comfortable, but the comfort could not help him to relax. Where is my father? he demanded. Raynor Three stood looking down at him his mobile face drawn and strange. I guess I can't put it off any longer, he said softly. Then he covered his face with his hands. From behind them, hoarse words came, choked with emotion. Your father is dead, Bart. I, I killed him. End of chapter five. Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show, how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. And remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. 
Thank you for listening. Back to the show. The Colors of Space, Chapter 6 For a moment, Bart stared, frozen, unable to move, his very ears refusing the words he heard. Had this all been another cruel trick, then a trap, a betrayal? He rose and looked wildly around the room, as if the glass walls were a cage closing in on him. "'Murderer!' he flung at Raynor and took a step toward him, his clenched fists coming up. He'd been shoved around too long, and here he had one of them right in front of him, and for once he'd hit back. He'd start by taking Raynor three apart, in small pieces. "'You, you rotten murderer!' Raynor three made no move to defend himself. "'Bart!' he said compassionately. Sit down and listen to me. No, I'm no murderer. I... I shouldn't have put it that way. Bart's hands dropped to his sides, but he heard his voice crack with pain and grief. I suppose you'll tell me he was a spy or a traitor and you had to kill him. Not even that. I tried to save your father. I did everything I could. I'm no murderer, Bart. I killed him, yes. God forgive me, because I'll never forgive myself. Bart's fists unclenched, and he stared down at Raynor Three, shaking his head in bewilderment and pain. I knew he was dead. I knew it all along. I was trying not to believe it, but I knew. I liked your father. I admired him. He took a long chance, and it killed him. I could have stopped him. I should have stopped him. But how could I? Where did I have the right to stop him, after what I did to... He stopped, almost in mid-word, as if a switch had been turned. But Bart was not listening. He swung away, striding to the wall as if he would kick it in, striking it with his two clenched fists, his whole being in revolt. Dad, oh, Dad, I kept going. I thought at the end of it you'd be here and it would all be over. But here I am at the end of it all and you're not here and you won't ever be here again. Dimly, he knew when Raynor Three rose and left him alone. He leaned his head on his clenched fists and cried. After a long time, he raised his head and blew his nose, his face setting itself in new, hard, unaccustomed lines, slowly coming to terms with the hard, painful reality. His father was dead. His dangerous, dead-in-earnest game of escape had no happy ending of reunion with his father. They couldn't sit together and laugh about how scared he had been. His father was dead. And he, Bart, was alone and in danger. His face looked very grim indeed, and years older than he was. After a long time, Raynor Three opened the door quietly. Come and have something to eat, Bart. I'm not hungry. Well, I am, Raynor Three said, and you ought to be. You'll need it. 
He pulled knobs, and the appropriate tables and chairs extruded themselves from the walls. Raynor unsealed hot cartons and spread them on the table, saying lightly, Looks good. Not that I can claim any credit. I subscribe to a food service that delivers them hot by pneumatic tube. Bart felt sickened by the thought of eating, but when he put a polite fork in the food, he discovered that he was famished and ate up everything in sight. When they had finished, Raynor dumped the cartons into a disposal chute, went to a small portable bar, and put a glass into his hand. Drink this. Bart touched his lips to the glass, made a face, and put it away. Thanks, but I don't drink. Call it medicine. You'll need something, Raynor Three said crossly. I've got a lot to tell you, and I don't want you going off half-primed in the middle of a sentence. If you'd rather have a shot of tranquilizer, all right. Otherwise, I prescribe that you drink what I gave you. He gave Bart a quick, wry grin. I really am a medic, you know. Feeling like a scolded child, Bart drank. It burned his mouth, but after it was down, he felt a sort of warm burning in his insides that gradually spread a sense of well-being all through him. It wasn't alcohol, but whatever it was, it had quite a kick. Thanks, he muttered. Why are you taking this trouble, Raynor? There must be danger. Don't you know? Raynor broke off. Obviously, you don't. Your mother never said much about your Mentorian family tree, I suppose. She was a Raynor. He smiled at Bart, a little ruefully. I won't claim a kinsman's privileges until you decide how much to trust me. Raynor Three settled back. It's a long story, and I only know part of it, he began. Our family, the Raynors, have traded with the Lari for more generations than I can count. When I was a young man, I qualified as a medic on the Lari ships, and I've been star-hopping ever since. People call us the slaves of the Lari. Maybe we are, he added wryly. But I began it just because space is where I belong, and there's nowhere else I've ever wanted to be. And I'll take it at any price. I never questioned what I was doing until a few years ago. It was your father who made me wonder if we Mentorians were blind and selfish. This privilege ought to belong to everyone, not just the Lari. More and more, the Lari monopoly seemed wrong to me. But I was just a medic. And if I involved myself in any conspiracy against the Lari, they'd find it out in the routine site checking. And then we worked out how it could be done. Before every trip, with self-hypnosis and self-suggestion, I erase my own memories, a sort of artificial amnesia, so that the Lari can't find out any more than I want them to find out. Of course, it also means that I have no memory while I'm on the lorry ships, of what I've agreed to while I'm... His face suddenly worked, and his mouth moved without words, as if he had run into some powerful barrier against speech. It was a full minute, while Bart stared in dismay, before he found his voice again, saying, So far, it was just a sort of loose network, 
trying to put together stray bits of information that the lhari didn't think important enough to censor. And then came the big breakthrough. There was a young apprentice astrogator named David Briscoe. He'd taken some runs in special test ships and read some extremely obscure research data from the early days of the contract between men and lhari. And he had a wild idea. He did the bravest thing anyone has ever done. He stripped himself of all identifying data, so that if he died, no one would be in trouble with the lhari, and stowed away on a lhari ship. But, Bart's lips were dry, didn't he die in the warp drive? Slowly, Raynor III shook his head. No, he didn't. No drugs, no cold sleep, but he didn't die. Don't you see, Bart? He leaned forward urgently. It's all a fake. The Lhari have just been saying that to justify their refusal to give us the secret of the catalyst that generates the warp drive frequencies. Such a simple lie, and it's worked for all these years. A Mentorian found him and didn't have the heart to turn him over to the Lhari, so he was smuggled clear again. But when that Mentorian underwent the routine brain checks at the end of the voyage, the Lhari found out what had happened. They didn't know Briscoe's name, but they wrung that Mentorian out like a wet dishcloth and got a description that was as good as fingerprints. They tracked down young Briscoe and killed him. They killed the first man he talked to. They killed the second. The third was your father. The murdering devils! Raynor sighed. Your father and Briscoe's father were old friends. Briscoe's father was dying with incurable heart disease. His son was dead. And old Briscoe had only one thought in his mind, to make sure he didn't die for nothing. So he took your father's papers, knowing they were as good as a death warrant, slipped away and boarded a lorry ship that led roundabout to stars where the message hadn't reached yet. He led them a good chase. Did he die, or did they track him down and kill him? Bard bowed his head and told the story. Meanwhile, Raynor III continued, Your father came to me, knowing I was sympathetic, knowing I was a Lhari-trained surgeon. He had just one thought in his mind, to do again what David Briscoe had done, and make sure the news got out this time. He cooked up a plan that was even braver and more desperate. He decided to sign on a lorry ship as a member of the crew. As a Mentorian? Bart asked. But something cold, like ice water trickling down his back, told him this was not what Raynor meant. The brainwashing? No, said Raynor. Not as a Mentorian. He couldn't have escaped the psych checking. As a lorry. Bart gasped. How? Men and Lari are very much alike, Raynor III said. A few small things, skin color, the shape of the ears, the hands and claws, keep humans from seeing that the Lari are men. Don't say that, Bart almost yelled. Those filthy, murdering devils. You call those monsters men? I've lived among the Lari all my life. They're not devils, Bart. They have their reasons. 
physiologically, the lhari are, well, humanoid, if you like that better. They're a lot more like a man than a man is like, for instance, a gorilla. Your father convinced me that, with minor plastic and facial surgery, he could pass as a lhari. And finally, I gave in and did the surgery. And it killed him. Not really. Not really. It was a completely unforeseeable thing. A blood clot broke loose in a vein and lodged in his brain. He was dead in seconds. It could have happened at any time, he said. Yet I feel responsible, even though I kept telling myself I'm not. And I'll help you as much as I can, for his sake and for your mother's. The lhari don't watch me too closely. They figure that anything I do, they'll catch in the brainwashing. But I'm still one step ahead of them, as long as I can erase my own memories. Bart was sifting it all slowly in his mind. Why was Dad doing this? What could he gain? You know, we can build ships as good as the lhari ships, but we don't know anything about the rare catalyst they use for warp drive fuel. Captain Steele had hopes of being able to discover where they got it. But couldn't they find out where the lhari ships go for fueling? No, there's no way to trail a lhari ship, he reminded Bart. We can follow them inside a star system, but then they pop into warp drive and we don't know where they go when they aren't running between our stars. We've gathered together what information we do have, and we know that after a certain number of runs in our part of the galaxy, ships take off in the direction of Antares. There's a ship due to come in here in about ten days called the Swiftwing, which is just about due to make the Antares run. Captain Steele had managed to arrange, I don't know how, and I don't want to know how, for vacancy on that ship, and somehow he got credentials. You see, it's a very good spy system, a network between the stars, but the weak link is this. Everything, every message, every man, has to travel back and forth by the lhari ships themselves. He rose, shaking it all off impatiently. Well, it's finished now. Your father is dead. What are you going to do? If you want to go back to Vega, you can probably convince the Lari you're just an innocent bystander. They don't hurt bystanders or children, Bart. They aren't bad people. They're just protecting their business monopoly. The safest way to handle it would be this. Let me erase your memories of what I've told you tonight. Then, just let the lhari capture you. They won't kill you. They'll just give you a light psych check. When they find out you don't know anything, they'll send you back to Vega. And you can spend the rest of your life in peace, running Vega into planets and eight colors. Bart turned on him furiously. You mean, go home like a good little boy and pretend none of this ever happened? What do you think I am, anyhow? Bart's chin set in the new, hard line. What I want is a chance to go on where Dad left off. It won't be easy, and it could be dangerous, Raynor Three said. But there's nothing else to be done. We had all the arrangements all made, and now 
Somebody's got to take the dangerous risk of calling them off. Are you game for a little plastic surgery, just enough to change your looks again with new forged papers? You can't go by the Swiftwing. It doesn't carry passengers. But there's another route you can take. Bart sprang up. No, he said. I know a better way. Let me go on the Swiftwing, in Dad's place, as a lorry. Bart, no, Raynor III said. You'd never get away with it. It's too dangerous. But his gold eyes glinted. Why not? I speak lorry better than Dad ever did. And my eyes can stand lorry lights. You said yourself, it's going to be a dangerous job just calling off all the arrangements. So let's not call them off. Just let me take Dad's place. Bart, you're only a boy. What was Dave Briscoe? No, Rainer. Dad left me a lot more than Vega Interplanet, and you know it. I'll finish what he started, and then maybe I'll begin to deserve what he left me. Raynor III gripped Bart's hand. He said, in a voice that shook, All right, Bart. You're your father's son. I can't say more than that. I haven't any right to stop you. End of chapter 6